I think there's really an important distinction between employee data, and so that's my name, my identification information, my salary, all of those types of things that are really personal to me, and data that is produced by employees. So that would be if my company wanted me to trial something or give feedback on a new product or service, which is data that I am generating and I'm an employee. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. It's brought to you by Wonder and Pattern. On this podcast, we speak to industry experts and thought leaders discussing how work is changing and evolving. I'm Doug Folks, and I'm here with the CEO of Wonder and Pattern, Claire Haydar. Claire, how are you today? Hey, Doug, so good to be here with you. I'm particularly excited to have Adam on with us today. But before we get to that, I'm good. We celebrated um, Little Cedar's third birthday this weekend. So it's been a party filled weekend, which has been good. Well, I was out with my father-in-law's 82nd birthday. So we're both ends of the spectrum. I love what you and Tracy did, by the way, taking your your 80-something father-in-law backpacking. Now that's something. (laughs) It had to be done. Claire, let's move on with today's episode. It's the first time that we're having a chance to chat to Adam Aft. He's a partner at uh, Baker & McKenzie LLP. Tell me a little bit about Adam and why he's on the podcast. So I was very fortunate to actually be able to lead a panel um, that a company asked me to be a speaker for them last year, specifically regarding the future of work. And the way they structured the conversation was they had my keynote, but then they had a whole group of experts sitting on a panel, you know, talking about the future of work and how it was impacting, you know, different companies, etc. And Adam was one of the people on that panel. And I just, I came away from leading that panel with such a profound respect for him. He has a very, very real ability to look at the big picture, which is something rare in lawyers because they tend to go down into the weeds immediately. And he really does take it from the big picture, look at the business principle and then bring it down to the legal context. And so I just found his perspective on that panel really refreshing and which is why I wanted you know, to bring him onto the podcast. Tell me briefly, we're talking about data. Is that right? If you think about it, Doug, you know, the future of work is like being redefined literally minute by minute right now because of what we've just all lived through in the past two years. And data is a very, very big part of that because you have employee data that belongs to actual employees. So like names, you know, social security numbers, um, ID numbers, those type of things. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you have the actual work data that's being produced by employees in a work environment. And so there's a lot to be explored here today, which is really relevant to the future of work. Excellent. Let's uh, let's join Adam. Adam, hello. It's so good to have you uh, on the show with us today. Thank you for making the time. I know that you're manically busy. And so we really do appreciate you carving out this hour to spend with us. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Great to speak with you again and really looking forward to our discussion. So Adam, we're going to dive straight in. And what I'd like to do for our listeners is really just lay a big picture view of the data privacy landscape as it exists today. Um, Naturally, data privacy is a very 
often spoken about topic. It's very hot, but it's broad and it's vast. And I'd like us to just provide that context for our listeners, because I know that it is a big question that's really very pertinent in boardroom discussions right now and also within leadership sessions. So data is becoming more and more critical to business operations, but also more contentious from a legal perspective than ever before. You know, it's the equivalent of operating in the Wild West, so to speak. Can you lay out that current landscape for us and also expand on why you're seeing such a difference, for example, in terms of how the EU is approaching this rather than how the USA is approaching it? And even, you know, if you look at like Asia and other territories, there's vast differences. Just just give us some context. Sure. And I, I guess I not to be too cute, I I would probably not quite go Wild West, which implies the day of days of completely lawlessness. We certainly are in, in a in a world of a relatively high degree of laws around personal data, privacy and security, but certainly an area of a constant state of evolution. And so maybe this is this is more the, the 49ers gold rush. It's it's the West has been established. There's some law, but everyone's looking to to do better to capitalize on the value of data and they're wondering how do they navigate this constantly evolving regulatory environment. So maybe more that than otherwise. Good. Okay. I like that. I like that. <laughs> there you go. What's one step further? One step, if we had had this conversation right a while back, maybe I'd, I'd agree on the Wild West. Your question about the perception of EU is a great place to start because it helps give a little bit of framework in terms of where we are. I think the EU is viewed as a little bit farther along because they do actually have an omnibus privacy framework in the GDPR, unlike a number of jurisdictions such as the US, which doesn't have a federal omnibus privacy law. It has privacy laws in a number of areas, state breach notice laws, the California privacy law, specific industries like health, financial, and education, but doesn't have the omnibus type of privacy law that Europe has. And that's just evolving all around the world. So you have China having recently come online with the PIPL, the GDPR in Europe that I've just referenced came into effect in 2018. There's constant state laws that are being passed and evolving in the US with Virginia coming online, Colorado and otherwise. So it's, it's an area that more and more jurisdictions are looking to have some level of omnibus privacy regulation across the various areas that are impacted. And I think that will continue to evolve in a number of different ways, the, the, the most interesting of which may be around those jurisdictions that add a data residency element, a an obligation to keep the data resident or copy of the data resident within their jurisdiction versus those that just regulate how companies use and process the data, but don't go that extra step further around requiring that the data stay resident. So, so there's a ton of issues we could talk extensively about, and I know we'll have a little bit of focus so for purposes of this discussion, I hope, but that's kind of the overarching where we are in the world is there are a number of privacy frameworks. They are constantly evolving, and everyone that is aiming to use data is, is doing their best to, to keep up with the constant evolution. Just a quick question before we move off of that. So I like the term that you use there, the omnibus, you know, so sort of like the global, the whole package, you know. Can you briefly share with us why the EU chose to go the way it did versus the US who've kind of done it in pockets, you know, across different states? Why didn't the US take a federal omnibus approach? Yeah, I mean, and it is still possible the U.S. may at some point. There's, there's not anything that I can tell you is 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 live and Im imminently passing. I think in part it's due to the fact that the European Union views 
personal data privacy as a fundamental human right. And so under the data privacy directive, where there were differing approaches, there was a push in the continent and to say, this is the fundamental human right. There should be some uniformity in the applicability of the rules around personal data. There should be some predictability around those that are using personal data and let us try to take what has evolved under the data privacy directive and apply a lot of that, but in a slightly more uniform approach. I think from a U.S. perspective, data privacy is viewed as importantly, but until there is some political movement or support behind the type of omnibus federal legislation, which there is, but you know how it goes for U.S. policymaking. It just will depend when the moment is right to arrive at such a similar type of legislation here in the U.S. So a little bit of a difference in the view fundamentally about the importance of personal data privacy um, from a political perspective, I think drove that. I, I should note, even in the EU, there are still the ability for member states to add their own implementation under the GDPR. So, for example, issues around how criminal background is used in employee background checks, that can differ by member states. So even in the harmonized omnibus world, there are still differences. And so it's, it's important not to oversell just exactly how harmonized uh, Europe has become, but certainly much further along than the U.S. from a federal perspective. So I'm going to jump in. Adam, nice to meet you. Uh, welcome, as Claire says, to the podcast. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks for having me on. And my initial question is really, really back to basics. Definitions are important. You've given us an overview. But I'd just like you, if, if you wouldn't mind, to define what the current ownership definitions are around data. The past few years, data has been called the, the new currency. If it's a currency, it's valuable. So that adds a level of complexity to it. Who owns what in the data space? Sure. And and for purposes of the discussion, um, given that we're on the Future of Work podcast, I think it may help to focus a little bit on employee data. Otherwise, we could go on and on. It would be fun and exciting, but I think this will help focus our discussion. Um, from an employee data perspective, employees do own their own data, which I'm sure you could have reason to challenge, but under the law, the employees own their data. And there's a number of ways that the privacy laws actually empower the employees with respect to their own data. Before we get there, though, I think there's really an important distinction between employee data. And so that's my name, my identification information, my salary, all of those types of things that are really personal to me and data that is produced by employees. So that would be if my company wanted me to trial something or give feedback on a new product or service, which is data that I am generating and I'm an employee, but it's not really employee data. And I think that distinction is different. It would certainly be treated differently under the law. So just at the outset, I want to make clear when I say employee data, I'm speaking predominantly about that data identifying the individual employee, not the data that the employees themselves are generating. Adam, I think that's a that's a really critical, you know, separation that you've made there. And what I would like us to explore, you know, a little bit later in the conversation is actually the future of the work generated data, because that's where you can see like there's a huge gray area right now. So looking forward to that conversation a little bit later. Right. Same here as well. Yes. And I think with respect to the employee, the more traditional kind of employee data, before we get into the fun, what do you do with data being generated by employees? As I had 
mentioned that the law does give the employees certain ways to assert their ownership and control over their data. So that's access, correction, deletion abilities, as you guys I'm sure are well familiar with, um, the ability to use a number of cloud-based HR platforms for employees to actually use those types of tools, access or correction tools themselves within the HR platforms and actually meaningfully, practically rubber meets the road, do something with their own data, which is what we mean when we say kind of who owns data. In the abstract, it's an interesting discussion, but practically speaking, who owns data usually comes down to who actually has the rights and the ability to do what with data. If I own my, my data, are there any shortcomings in the current legal definitions? And how would you see those evolving in the, in the next couple of years? Sure. That, that's an area that the biggest shortcoming is clarifying under the applicable laws when they apply to employee data. So this is a much more significant issue in the U.S. And it's something that I, I think we'll have an interesting discussion on during the course of the podcast around what happens when privacy laws driven by consumer privacy type considerations are aimed to be applied to employee data um, and some of the interesting uh, challenges that can present. But just to take a concrete example, in California, under the CCPA, it's currently a requirement to provide notice to employees about processing of the employee data, but there's otherwise an exception. That exception will go away with respect to employee data under the CPRA coming into effect in 2023 but the California legislature is currently considering a number of bills to either extend or make permanent that exception with respect to employee data, that exception again being the limited applicability of the California privacy laws to employee data. So in terms of shortcomings, I think the biggest is to what extent do the current laws actually apply to employee data and if so, how? And that's an area that will, again, continue to evolve and hopefully we'll get more clarity on so enterprises can have a little bit better understanding of what the law actually applies to. So you shared a practical example there of, you know, how the Californian um, thing is evolving because of it. Can you share a practical example that actually gave rise to that? Like what was like one of the cases where this became a contentious issue and the whole consideration came to the table? Sure. So, so an example of that would be where, for example, the um, requirements exist for certain consents and the ability to say no to using sensitive data, right? So one of the big challenges would be in the consumer data context, laws that say a consumer can just say, no, you can't have my social security number for any reason. It's sensitive data. I don't want to give it to you. That's a little more challenging in the employee context because something like benefits administration is really hard to do if you don't have an employee's social security number or wage payments or otherwise. So those types of challenges of when you're applying the consumer privacy laws and some of the exceptions or abilities to ask for consent or otherwise is much more challenging in the employee context. The, the other kind of concrete example to consider would be from an EU perspective, for example, there are certain circumstances where consent is not a viable means of processing personal data in the employer employment context just because of the nature of that relationship. And there isn't really an option for the employee to say no. And so you need different rules around employee data and how you process employee data 
just because the nature of the relationship is different. So there are a number of instances in which it just is different. You know, it's not consumer data and using laws that generally are meant to apply to consumer to employee data, it creates a number of challenges, whether endogenous to those data privacy laws themselves or exogenous once you pull in employment laws, which are kind of another layer on top of it. So there, there are a number of challenges to work through for sure. And that's the first part of our conversation with lawyer and data privacy specialist, Adam Aft. Make sure you catch the next two parts of this essential deep dive into data privacy on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonder's website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon. <laughs>